Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. I think we're at a very fun time of the year, right? Are we not? Fun time of the year. AFC, NFC championship games in the books. Now we have two weeks to talk about a Super Bowl. I'd like to get experts on the show. Jeff Schwartz, our next guest, is an expert. What what makes him an expert? Well, I'm glad you asked that. Played in the NFL. Played at the University of Oregon. You can find the Schwartz on Sirius XM talking football, among other things. Great follow on Twitter. But here's a guy who played with the Carolina Panthers and the Vikings and the Chiefs and the Giants and the Lions. Former Oregon standout offensive lineman Jeff Schwartz, man of the world, joining us now. How are you, man? I'm doing good. I'm in my son's basketball practice right now. You know, just doing the, you know, doing the parent-kid thing on the sporting events thing. I like that. All right, what kind of parent are you at his games? Can you sit quietly, root positively, or are you torn up? What kind of parent, what kind of fan are you? So it's funny. Uh, my kids had a swim meet this weekend, and um, one of the parents came up to me afterwards like, you're just, like, so quiet at these events. You know, maybe because you're a former athlete and you just don't get too worked up with these things. Like, I'm screaming and yelling. You don't even make a – you don't say a word. I'm like, yeah, what, what am I – what am I going to scream? My kids are in the pool. What am I going to yell at them? I mean, <laughs> like, what do you want me to say? <laughs> um, I mean, I, you know, like, we, I, I record my kids. I mean, I time my kids. At the, at the, I do know stopwatch. It's probably yeah. a little hardcore. Only other parents are doing that. <laughs> but, like, my wife and I, like, track their times. I just do it, yeah. I just do it quietly. To be fair, I do have a stopwatch in my truck because I use it at the gym. So it's not like I just carry it around for, for swim meets. But, I don't yell and scream. I, my son is nine. My daughter's seven. What, what am I going to yell and scream about? Like <laughs> baseball, sometimes I might mo- you know groan about an umpire, but like it's a guy's getting paid fifteen bucks an hour. What, what am I going to groan about? about? So I don't really. I'm not a big. I'm not even a big yeller and screamer watching football. The only time, to be honest with you, when Oregon plays Washington, that's like the only time of the year my wife will like leave the room because I'm, you know, like I'm into it so much that it really like, I'm loud about it. Otherwise I'm not, that's not the fan. I love that. And you know what? Your, your kids know you care and you're there. You don't need to be vocal and yelling. I had, I had a similar experience in that people know that I'm in sports media. And so they're always asking me for analysis of the games. And I'm like, it's 12 year old volleyball. You know, I don't have an I don't have analysis on this to offer. I'm just here showing my support. Love seeing my kid compete. I watching my kids play play their sports, and you know they do basketball, flag football, baseball, softball, and, and swim basically different times of the year. You know, and like I just love watching them play. It's like my favorite thing ever. I, I plan my whole schedule around trying to beat every practice, and you know, I coach a little bit if I can. You know, my radio schedule now is obviously very different with our show ending. Um, and just like I just love watching them play sports. It's been my favorite thing. Jeff Schwartz with us. Um, look, NFC AFC title games. 
Which game did you think is more interesting? Like if you you and I are bumping into each other in the gym, what are we starting our conversation with? Are we talking Niners Lions or are we talking Chiefs Ravens? We're probably saying I can't believe the Lions blew that game, right? That's probably it was the final game of the night, right? And it was 24-7 at halftime. You're probably talking about Dan Campbell's fourth-down decision, and you're talking about, you know, sort of why the Lions lost that game more than the Niners won that game. John, you know this in football, sometimes it's not about purposely winning a game. It can be more about a team, like, purposely losing a game, right? If you just don't make mistakes and you let the other team screw up, that can, that can lead you to victory. The Niners in the second half of that game, the Lions fumbled. Um, you know, they, they dropped passes. They weren't as crisp. They defensively weren't as good. Obviously, a fourth-down decision, we can debate, you know, yes or no on those. I'm more of the aggressive type of guy, like, just go for it and, and live with the results. The Lions have done it all season long. Um, and and so I think the Lions have sort of lost that game more than the Niners won that game. But some of that is – that's what football is sometimes. Like, the Chiefs, the Chiefs didn't score a point in the second half. They still won that game because the Ravens made a lot of mistakes. That, that's just sometimes what happens in football. Jeff Schwartz with us, former NFL offensive lineman. Schwartz, um, the Lions were dominating the line of scrimmage. As an offensive lineman, I have to think you were watching that. It was probably a thing of beauty in the first half. What changed in the second half? Why did the Lions get away from what made them so good in the first half? You know, it's a good question, John. I, I think a lot of times, um, you know, coaches that are not in this situation very often, and Ben Johnson is one of those guys the Lions off of the player. Obviously, Dan Campbell has been in the situation a little bit with the Saints, but not with the Lions. You know, you, you panic is the wrong word, but you, you start – you look at the scoreboard, like, oh, boy, well, the Niners, man, like, they're starting to score. we got to pass the ball. we got to, you know, we have to make sure that, that we keep up with the lines. You sort of ditch your game plan a little bit. And I understand that thought process. I've been on teams where that's happened before. Um, but it, it's very hard to stay disciplined and true to what you are when things start going haywire. And the more you play and coach in these games, the better – you get used to the pace of them. You know, you, you asked at the beginning, Joy, how you know, sort of fan am I? And part of the reason why I'm not a big yelling screamer is the games are long, man. It's 60 minutes. Like, it, it's a long game. Eight, nine, ten possessions. And things can happen so quickly, which is all the Niners. And I think sometimes coaches forget that, that is that, that it is a long game. And sometimes just sticking with the plan you, you came into it, is the right way to go. And the Ravens will certainly go through this and they didn't run the ball enough. And I think we saw the Lions sort of get away from, you know, really being able to do what they have done so well to run the football. And they really did control the line scrimmage. I mean, Penae Sewell was, was incredible. That offensive line all season was good. And Goff, look, Goff was good in the first half. When he has a clean pocket, man, he's as good as they come. Sean, he had the biggest drop-off of a starting quarterback between completion percentage, between pressure and no pressure. Pressure, man, just crumbles. No pressure, really good. And the Lions just sort of got away from their game plan when things started going haywire. What did you make of the fourth decisions to go for it on fourth down from Dan Campbell? Look, I, I can't uh, be like pro fourth down when Dan Landing goes for it and then you know anti-fourth down when Dan Campbell goes for it, right? I mean, <laughs> right. I, you know, like, I, here's the thing about it. If I'm a Lions fan today, yeah, the margin was three points. I get that. And the margin against Oregon and Washington was three points the first game, you know? And I can 
I, I can live with my coach being aggressive and going for it because that's what they are, right? Dan Campbell did it all. It's, it's why they got to where they are. I talked about this when he came with Oregon, John. Oregon completed, like, I think, or converted, like, 80% of fourth downs this year. It just so happened they were over three against Washington. You know, like, it just, that's, that's just life. No, the Lions were, were two for four, I think, in, you know, fourth down that game. It just, it just didn't happen on those, those two fourth downs. Look, man, I mean, I think you can blame a lot of different things why they lost that game. A field goal there in one of those times, I certainly think attitude and momentum and just the feeling of you're going to win would have been greater if you're up 17 and 14. So understand why people are arguing for the field goal. And I think it's a valid argument. Hey, look, man, you know, the, the feel of the game would have been different if the Lions were up 17, not 14. They might not have won the game still. I mean, I was, again, put up with 31 second-half points. Um, but it would have it would have felt different. But I, I, I don't sign with the calls, man. Like, that's who they are all season. Be that team, execute, guys open, Reynolds have to catch that football, a little better throw from golf, and we're not talking about that today. We're talking to Jeff Schwartz, former Oregon Duck, former NFL offensive lineman. Your brother Mitch uh, played for the Chiefs, won a Super Bowl with the Chiefs. You know kind of the culture of the Kansas City Chiefs and Andy Reid and uh, Patrick Mahomes. You're well, uh, well versed in it. Um, you know, were you surprised to see Mahomes? Beat the Ravens and and look so good doing it. I thought the Ravens would win. Um, you know the what what you sort of want from the Super Bowl caliber team is what you saw from the Ravens up until yesterday, which is you know elite quarterback play and they're just really physical on both sides of the ball. But the Chiefs forced them into mistakes, man. I mean, we talked about it earlier, John. Like the Ravens turned the ball over. Uh, that was a bad, you know, bad uh, throw by Lamar there in triple coverage. Dave Flowers fumbled. Um, there were some, some errors, I thought, in pass protection, sort of Lamar finding opportunities to, to run the ball. He didn't do enough. They, they only called, they called, they only had six runs um, by their two running backs combined, and they made a lot of mistakes in this game. Mahomes was really, really good in the first half. The second half was actually how I thought the game would go for the Chiefs offense. I thought it would be really tough to move the ball considering the Ravens' personnel and where the Chiefs are. But it goes to show you, you know, the Chiefs have, have just – they've been here so many times. I mean, every – I love watching the post-game videos from the Chiefs' locker room on these big games because they've played so many of these. Like, they're not rattled. It's so business. Like, after the game, anybody's like, all right, guys, celebrate this one. We got one more. And, like, there's not like a big – it's like, all right, cool, we won another game. Like, let's go play two more. And yeah. – and, and, they're they're always and so they're always just never worried about the situation. I really think that the Chiefs defense is one of the most underrated units in the NFL. They're really really good. They have two All Pro corners, even though only one made it this season. Well, Jerry Snead should have been All Pro. He was better than Jimmy Duffy. They have an elite pass rusher and and, uh, and Chris Jones. Kalafus is getting better. Two really good linebackers and Gay will be back for the game most likely. These guys know might be one of the best coordinators in NFL history. Like, legit, he's one of the only – he's one of the only coordinators who's won a Super Bowl with two different teams now. And Obviously, he might win a third one with the Chiefs. I mean, he, he is does such a good job in, in that role. He shut down the, the Patriots in 07, and the Giants DC. He shut down the Ravens this past weekend. I mean, he's brilliant. And so the Chiefs just play really complimentary football this season. You would have never thought last year, I'd tell you, they're going to score 17 points in the postseason. You tell me, no, no way. But that's who they are now. They play complimentary football, and they're going to be really tough out for the Lions. 
We're talking to Jeff Schwartz, former NFL offensive lineman, former Oregon Duck. Uh, Jeff, um, let's talk about those defensive lines. You mentioned, uh, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs D-line. The Niners defensive line got pushed around a little bit in the run game. Uh, what's going on with with Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead? Uh, I'm not. I have not been impressed with Chase Young. You know, I'm watching him dog it a little bit. Uh, I, I, you know, I just doesn't just seems to be out there taking up space at times. But you're an expert. Tell me what you see on the Niners defensive yeah. line. They're just not as talented as they were last season. Honestly, um, you know, Bosa's good. And he's had a great season. You know, Armstead has been a little bit up this year, right? If, I, if, I'm, if I'm correct on that, and just sort of, yeah. you know, an older player that's not as good as he's been. There's no compliment. You mentioned Chase Young. There's no compliment. Hargrave is gone, obviously. Excuse me, Har- yeah, Hargrave went to the Eagles, right? Or went yeah. to vice versa. Um, and so, I, you know, they're just they're just not as good right now. Um, and they can't stop the run very well, and the Chiefs are trying to turn into a rushing team. The Chiefs don't stop the run terribly well, but um, they they just are getting better each week. They have Chris Jones, obviously, impact. Karloff's on the outside. They lost one of their defensive ends to an ACL injury. We now say it's a pretty big loss for them. So I'm kind of curious to see you know how that impacts what the Chiefs do. Both teams should really come out and try to run the football. Like if they were if you're designing game plan, both teams that's the that's the that's the weakness for both of these defenses. And so I'm curious who could stick to that longer. Obviously, Shanahan favors the run more than Andy Reid does. Um, the Niners' defense, man, it's, it's it's not as good as it's been the last three or four years. We talk about it like they're still good. They allowed obviously almost points to the Lions, 31 points to the Lions. They allowed, what, 20 ish points to the Packers, over 20 points to the Packers. The Cardinals a couple weeks ago run, ran for 20 yards on them. Like, they're not the same defense they've been in the past. I think Chiefs have a good chance of scoring them. Jeff Schwartz with us. Schwartz, uh, you know, the, the two weeks in the run up to the game. You watched your brother go through it. As a player in the league, you know, you understand the pace of, of a game and the distractions that come with a Super Bowl. Um, can you give us some insight into, you know, you watched Mitchell go through it in Kansas City and winning a Super Bowl. Give, give us some insight into what that's like. Yeah, you know, I think it's even easier for the Chiefs now because they've all been through this a while. I mean, you read it today, like, we'll just keep our same schedule we had last season. <laughs> Last year, like you can, I mean, and Shanahan for that, you know, they went to Super Bowl and they played the Chiefs in '54. Um, they made a big deal. I don't know if you saw the tweets, John, about how the teams are staying on Lake Las Vegas, which I didn't know was a thing, but it's pretty far outside the city, and that's what you do. You know, you you stay a little isolated. The Chiefs in Miami stayed in way north Miami, like an hour from the city center. Like you, you just. Try to keep the routine. Monday nights were a little crazy at that media night, which I went to the one Super Bowl 54 in Miami. The media night was insane. It was at Marlins Ballpark. That's a little different. That's a little crazy. But then you get back into your routine. You get your practice, you film. You know, you keep distractions the best you can to a minimum. You hope that, you know, you have a, a spouse or an agent that deals with, with tickets and sort of everything that, that's, that's periphery. And you just try to prepare like usual. Now, the oddest thing people have said, I know my brother said this is, and I felt this a little bit in the stadium, is, you know, you're at a neutral site game. And a lot for a lot of these guys, they haven't played a neutral site game since maybe college. And even then, it's like, you know, if you're in a big-time program, you play one every other year maybe. And so the environment in the stadium is really weird because you have the, your crowd, the visiting crowd, and you also have a corporate crowd that's not really there to, to do anything just other than sort of be at the game. 
halftime is longer, so preparing and knowing how to get through a longer halftime. The, the, the halftime show, obviously, pregame is longer. It's just so having the experience that she's due, and really the Niners, since Shanahan was there as well, is it, really valuable uh, when things are a little bit different. But I think that the biggest lesson I learned from my brother was just try to keep the same routine, right? Keep exactly what you do during the week. You just do it in different cities. Who wins? So my, my option is uh, I get to choose between Brock Purdy and Patrick Mahomes. Those are my choices. Those are two quarterbacks in this game. Those are a pretty good decision, right? Like, I, how often do we see the lesser talented quarterback win the Super Bowl? Nick Foles certainly did, right? But you get you know Tom Brady won, right, the next year, and then Patrick Mahomes won, and then it was Tom Brady again, and then it was Matthew Stafford, and then Patrick Mahomes. I mean, I, I don't really – Niners can certainly win, but I'm not betting on Brock Purdy to win the Super Bowl. I mean, it comes down to quarterback play, right? And I mentioned some of the, the defensive stuff for the Niners. They're going to dial some pressures. Excuse me, for the Chiefs, I should say. I have the Chiefs winning this game. I, the underdogs, again, I, I get it. The Niners' power range is higher than Kansas City, but Chiefs are locked in, man. I, I, John, I, you watch a lot of sports. I think you would agree with me on this. The idea of flipping the switch is not a thing that happens, I don't think, in, in the postseason for a lot of, in a lot of sports and baseball. You just don't flip a switch in the postseason. Basketball sometimes, right, the way the roster construction is and guys sitting out, older players maybe. The NFL, you don't flip a switch. The Chiefs have. The offense, no, fewer mistakes, fewer turnovers, fewer penalties, fewer everything. They look like a different team, man, and I'm not betting against them right now. Shorts, go focus on your kids and swimming. I appreciate your basketball you. wherever you are. I appreciate you joining us. Thanks, man. Great to hear your voice. Thank you. Take care, buddy. Bye. Right. There he goes, Jeff Schwartz. He's picking the better quarterback, and he's right. It was Patrick Mahomes over Jalen Hurts last year in the Super Bowl. Matthew Stafford beat Joe Burrow. Um, you know, you got Tom Brady over Mahomes. You got Mahomes over Garoppolo. You got Brady over Goff. You got Foles, who beat Brady in 2017, uh, as an outlier there. Uh, but certainly, you see great quarterbacks around this game. And, you know, we're only about, you know, a few hours away from somebody going, Brock Purdy would be the worst quarterback since, you know, fill in the blank, to win a Super Bowl. And that will be the narrative all week long as uh, people sort of unpack the 49ers and the Chiefs matchup in two weeks on February 11th. For me, uh, he's right about the atmosphere when you go to a Super Bowl. I've been to nine Super Bowls. I'm I'm telling you, um, if you go to, if you choose to go to a Super Bowl, you should know that it's a bit of a spectacle. It's kind of like at the the movie Jurassic Park. You know, Jurassic Park came out. Remember the movie Jurassic Park? And they, the people who get to go into Jurassic Park, and they're kind of touring it, and they're kind of looking around, and they're wide-eyed, and they're seeing the dinosaurs for the first time. The, the fans who are coming into a Super Bowl stadium, it's like that experience. Welcome to Jurassic Park. And they're walking through the gates, and they're kind of just looking around, and they're wide-eyed, and... They're absorbing the atmosphere because it has been billed, and it is larger than the game. It is much larger than the game. It's the pregame. It's the hoopla. It's the fan fest. It's the halftime show. And, oh, there's a football game going on. And and people are just a little wide-eyed coming into the stadium. And the ticket prices, you know, the you know I, I've looked around and I've told people it is a better – experience to go to a college football playoff national title game, a Final Four in the NCAA tournament, certainly Olympics, a World Series game, I think are better fan experiences than a Super Bowl because the ticket prices 
price out common fans. You don't get a lot of atmosphere. You get a corporate crowd and and some fans who are like mortgaging their home to buy tickets and such. It, but but there's a little Jurassic Park feel to it as the fans are coming into the stadium. And I've had that. And I've kind of looked around and I go, these fans, these are not your diehard fans. This is a corporate crowd. They got tickets from somebody that works for one of the sponsors or they bought tickets on the secondary market. And this is a bucket list thing for them. And they're not really here because they're a diehard Kansas City Chiefs fan or a diehard 49ers fan. And so you get that feel to the stadium in the game. It's just a little different. All right, we got Punch It Audio coming up. I got great sound. I want to share it with you. Leave it here. You got the BFT on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network. Adam Schefter reporting that Jimmy Lake has been named a defensive coordinator. The Atlanta Falcons. There you go. Uh, Raheem Morris naming Jimmy Lake his D coordinator. He's taken uh, Zach Robinson as his offensive coordinator. And Marquise Williams will be the special teams coordinator in Atlanta. Jimmy Lake back in the game officially as a defensive coordinator. Things went wrong for Jimmy Lake when he was at Washington. Clearly, it was um, it was quick and dirty at, at, in Washington. And by the time he shoved a player on the sideline or had that altercation on the sideline at the Oregon game, the frustration was boiling over and the tolerance for that uh, not tolerated. Uh, but happy Jimmy Lake's getting another opportunity to coach and redeem himself. Um, I mentioned Jurassic Park, Stephen, in the last segment. I'm kind of thinking about, like, you know, the wide-eyed, you know, characters who are wandering through watching the uh, dinosaurs that they were just, their eyes, their jaws were hitting the ground as they were watching kind of the dinosaurs and everything going around them. That's kind of, that's how the fans are when they go into a Super Bowl. Do you want to go to a Super Bowl? Would that be, like, I could take you to a Final Four, National Championship game, Summer Olympics. Do you go to a Super Bowl? And if so, is this... The one. Out of those options, no, the Super Bowl is not the answer. I do, I would want to go to a Super Bowl. There was a time Packers, Steelers, back at Jerry's World when it first opened. The Packers are my dad's team, the Steelers are my brother's team. I tried to talk him into going just like last minute, like spur of the moment. Hey, let's get to the Super Bowl. Uh, just didn't happen. But I would want to go. But out of those options, I think for me, the Summer Olympics would be the best. Like I, I would yeah. love to do that as my number one option. But I do want to go to a Super Bowl, John. I do think it would be interesting just to see the hoopla before. Like, I think the the before the game stuff would be a lot more interesting than the actual game because you're right. Yeah. I've, heard, I've heard that before where the actual game is a lot more downtime with all the commercials and all that kind of stuff. So uh, the actual game isn't the most fun, but the before stuff, the hoopla stuff before, the preview, all that kind of thing, I would want to experience that. It's not like, you know, we saw in these championship games that the fan bases were really excited. You don't have that atmosphere in the stadium you have a very sterile murmur in the crowd so to speak i do i i think you're right on with the summer olympics i sell that all day long and if you can go to a summer olympics in a foreign country go see it i went to sydney for the olympics in 2000 athens in 2004 beijing in 08 london in 2012 i did a vancouver winter olympics as well and i gotta tell you those summer olympics in foreign countries on foreign soil Phenomenal immersive experiences, and not just because you're watching the culminating moment of somebody's life play out before you, you know. And and I would just show up to some venues early, and I'm not like well before the event I wanted to see, and I'm watching like, you know, 
wrestlers from some Eastern European country wrestle each other. I know nothing about their stories, but you're watching somebody win a gold medal and you're watching their life's work unfold before you and the crowd is on the edge of their seats because the crowd knows. And so and and you're hearing like chants, you know, and people sing the national anthem and run around the venue with their flag and I still think Kathy Freeman, I watched Kathy Freeman in, in Sydney in 2000, running and winning the women's 400 meters at the track. I don't know that I've ever heard a louder venue than when she turned to the home stretch. And it was like, it goes beyond just the race. Here was an aboriginal woman who was running to represent her country. And for us here in the United States, maybe we don't recognize kind of the experience that is going on in in sydney in australia and for aboriginal people who you know her for years had the back of the house jobs they worked in a restaurant but they worked in the kitchen and now you're watching kathy freeman run around the track after winning the gold medal and she's got tears in her eyes and she's carrying the australian flag and the aboriginal flag and you're going oh that's what it meant and I don't know if NBC is even going to show that, but you get that if you're there. And I don't care if you go to ping pong or volleyball or handball or track and field or swimming or rhythmic gymnastics. It's every single day, every venue, somebody's dream is coming true. And somebody's, you know, they're competing for a gold and a silver and a bronze and somebody's going to get left out. And every moment feels big. Every possession of every game every move feels big and even in fencing and i watched uh mariel zunigas uh, from beaverton win gold in fencing i was there i didn't know a damn thing about fencing i turned to the guy next to me who was from france and i said teach me how to score f- fencing what are they trying to do here and he explained it to me and by the end of the evening i was an expert on fencing and but you're just watching such a, uh, a tremendous moment and and the favorites don't always win. I think it's one of those things that is very different than the team sports that we often root for in the United States. The individual sports in the Olympics, there comes a pressure with the Olympic Games because it's every four years. And you see the, the, you know, the national champion from two years earlier can get knocked out by, you know, an unseated opponent in the early rounds. And, you see upsets because if you don't bring your best, there are, you know, there's a field of 24 or 48 or 16 that is showing up to play. And it's just amazing to kind of watch it unfold. And I, I'll be honest, I'm not ashamed to tell you this. Like, I, I've been to rhythmic gymnastics. I don't know a damn thing about it, but I've watched the best in the world compete. And I can tell you, like, when you're seeing the best in the world do anything, you're watching something special, and so that's why I think the Olympics is is amazing to, to go see it. Now, the Super Bowl, yeah, if your team's in it, or it's in your town, or there's a, you know, somebody got you tickets, go see it. I'm not saying don't go see it. Like, it's pretty cool to kind of see the spectacle that is a Super Bowl, but just know, like, you're going to show up a few days ahead of time. You're going to, uh, you know, I've been to the Super Bowl all those times, and some of the, it's, of the people watching of it and watching all the NFL players who aren't participating in the game who kind of flock to the city in Vegas is going to be ridiculous and seeing the parties that go on 
and go into some of the parties. I went to the ESPN party. I went to the Maxim party. I went, you know, I went to all these places back in the day, and you kind of just watching the scene that is Kim Kardashian showing up to a party or, or you know, watching the scene that is seeing like kind of the B level celebrities that show face at the Super Bowl. You know, the the guy who was from the Gazelle commercials, uh, Wade Boggs. Andre Agassi, and you're going, you know, this is kind of a B-level uh, thing to some, you know, it's a place to be seen and be marketed as well at the Super Bowl. And then, you know, admit it, you're watching, you know, just kind of the city that, you know, I can't imagine Vegas is, you know, is going to be faced by this because they went through the Formula One thing where they just completely ruined the strip and shut it down. And everybody in Vegas was like, this is the stupidest thing ever that they're doing. And now Vegas is, you know, Vegas has had NBA All Star and has had other big events, but this Super Bowl in Vegas will be kind of a spectacle by itself. And then you're throwing onto it the Taylor Swift factor, which I don't mind. Why are people so mad at Swifty, Stephen Vaughn? Why are people mad at Swifty? It's, um, I think it's more that they're mad about the coverage of. Travis Kelsey. Like, that's my problem with it. I don't have a problem with Taylor Swift. I understand why they show Taylor Swift. Now I just see Travis Kelsey do all these commercials, and I see his face everywhere. And I, and when that happens to me, for me, You're over it. I'm over it. I'm over him, and I'm over that. And so then the fact that, you know, you provide the, uh, you know, the most popular singer out there, I think that's what it is. I think it's more that we get tired of Travis Kelsey, but mm. I don't know. It just, it doesn't bother me when they show Taylor Swift. I think it's funny. I think it's fun. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, Travis Kelsey, I could do without him. I have no problem with her being put on camera. I don't. It doesn't bother me that they've become a thing. But are you willing to recognize now that you have seen her, like, give him a kiss on the field, point at Andy Reid? She's buddies with Andy Reid now. Are you willing to acknowledge what I told you from the beginning, that this is true love? This is not about marketing this is not about her getting more fans. She has enough fans. I think these two people are truly in love. Well, I a little preview here to the 5 and 5. I've already come up with one of them. Uh, it has to do with the little love of Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey. But I'm with you. I'm, I'm willing to admit that I, maybe I was wrong. Maybe I was a little early to jump the gun on that and say that uh, it was Travis Kelsey trying to get more popular. But I don't know. I also think this, John, with it, when it comes to them, it's uh I I think a lot of people turn it political as well. Like Taylor Swift is very liberal, Travis Kelsey very liberal, did mm. you know does the Pfizer oh. commercials. I think people don't like that as well. And so you see Travis Kelsey I never even thought about that. So you, th- you see Travis Kelsey's face all of his commercials then one is the Pfizer commercial for the COVID vaccine and I think people get very upset about it when they say you know what, I just want my football on here. I just think she's really good at what she does. She's better. I actually think she's better at her job than he is at his job. He's really good. I agree. And I, this is what I say about Taylor Swift. You don't have to necessarily like her music because, you know, some's fine, some's not. But she at least writes her own music. And she's actually an artist where there's a lot of artists out there that don't write their own music, don't play their own instruments. She at least writes her own music and sings her own songs. So, like, you got to give her credit for that because a lot of people these days don't even do that. I think for him, there's some. it's fraught with risk, though. We all know he ends up as the subject of a song if this doesn't go well. We also know... That like there are his there is a historical precedent for high profile athletes and high profile celebrities and it tends to not go well for the male counterpart. The Kardashians are a different animal. Like you know we've talked about this. You you look at you know Lamar Odom, you look at Chris Humphreys, you look at Kanye. 
you you know Bruce Jenner this none of them have come out of this Kardashian relationship better than when they entered it okay they they come out of it literally changed and different and not um not with as much uh, clout and looking crazy and despondent and in the case of Lamar Odom down and out and you know I I think that Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift have a chance because of the platform that they're on have a chance to prove that it can be done and that it can work and I'm rooting for it all right and I might be in the minority and some of you sports fans are hating me for saying this but I have a I have a theory here that like you know maybe this opens the door for more collaborations we're in the era of collaboration is this a collaboration that's got some romance to but it? Should it be called a collaboration? Why can't it just be a relationship, John? Hey, when you say hey. collaboration, it sounds like it's made up. It's not made up. But are you and Anna collaboration? Or are you guys uh, no? But I'm just saying, like I'm I'm not opposed. Now look at if the Super Bowl, she's in a suite, and ushers on the field at the halftime show, and like he points up at her, and boom, the window flies open. And all of a sudden, she's got a mic in her hand, and she sings a few bars. People are going to freak out, and they're going to say, this is the NFL, and this was all a show, and it was a sham. No, I just think maybe, like, she's going to be there. Include her in the halftime show. How awesome would that be? She's also elite. You know, as a, as a rookie in the NFL, she made the Super Bowl, so there's nothing you can do about that. Yeah, first year, she got there. All right. Leave it here. We interrupt this podcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face Truth. Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.